with the 2018 NFL and NCAA season in full effect, remember, where you're betting is just as important of what you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to use MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Enter promo code SGP100 for a 100% deposit bonus for new subscribers. Enter promo code SGP25 if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m. You can get an extra $25 in free play. Again, promo code SGP25. And if you need a reload, SGP50 for a 50% reload bonus. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. NFL season is here and get tips from their supercomputer as well as data-driven editorial content you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Give them a follow on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out at oddshark.com. Finally, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas. And now NFL lines are available in the app. Easily track line movement and BetQL is free to download in the Apple Store or via your Android device. Head to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas today. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. Today is Friday, September 21st. And after a wild Thursday night football game, we have you covered with a full look ahead to the week three slate of the National Football League. For this episode, we have Whale Capper, frequent friend of the podcast. And as we continue on to do different handicappers and, and kind of a different, a different look each and every week on the Inside Vegas podcast, Whale's specialty is model-based handicapping. And you've heard this, I'm sure this is kind of an ode to kind of old school power rankings and numbers. Um, and basically, you know, using Microsoft Excel, uh, Google Docs, whatever the case may be, to create a formula uh, and spit out essentially two scores and use that model. Uh, and again, when you hear guys say, you know, I personally make this line such and such, whether they're using power numbers or whatever they're using, that's what we're going to take a deep dive into today with the White Whale. I hope you guys enjoy. And as always, we have a consensus best bet at the end of the podcast for NFL Week 3 consensus best bets. One and one, uh, winning Week 1, Cincinnati plus three with Spread Investor. Week 2, with Eric Rosenthal, we had George Kittle over 44 and a half receiving yards. Did not come home, so we are one and one. Let's look to make a profit on the Inside Vegas consensus best bet. And again, here is the White Whale. Follow him on Twitter at whale underscore capper. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast to break down the NFL Week 3, somebody that I was dying to have on the podcast to talk Week 3 because I think that his handicapping approach and style is so unique, and it was just a matter of when, and we are here now with that when. And that is Whale Capper. Obviously, find him on Twitter, whale underscore capper. The president and I guess co-founder, CEO of the Deep Dive Podcast with Andy and the White Whale. And of course, find all his amazing content on his website, deepdivemedia.co. Well, how was week two for you and what are you looking forward to for week three as a whole? Oh, week two was fun. Uh, I'm kind of treading water so far this season, but uh, I'm cap- capturing a good amount of uh, value on the closing numbers. So I feel like my picks are kind of in the right direction, just not catching lucky breaks. So looking for a big week three here. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been an exciting season so far. I think, uh, I think we're learning a lot about a lot of these teams relatively quickly. It feels like, you know, feels like things are coming into focus a little better. Do you feel we have more questions and answers uh, after week two than we did week one? Cause that's, I feel like there's more that went askew, uh, in week two than it did in week one almost, which is traditionally how they're usually, uh, corrects itself week two. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm used to just kind of, 
you know, letting a lot of week one stuff just disappear. But you're right. Like Tampa Bay backed up a win against the Saints <laughs> with a win against the Eagles. Uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick somehow. Cue the, uh, if you bet the Tampa Bay money line rollover, please. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah, seriously. I bet you there was a lot of those. I just kind of tuned those out at this point. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, for Fitzmagic to be doing this two weeks in a row is pretty impressive for uh, for Pat, for young Pat Mahomes and his first two starts all both on the road uh, to beat people, you know, teams like the Steelers and the Chargers, who everybody favored uh, outside the Patriots to uh, to win the AFC this year. And Mahomes just goes and just drops nine touchdowns on their asses. That was pretty amazing to see those two things back to back. And uh you know, it's uh, and then aside from that, you know, there there are some teams that we expected to be good that just are, you know, blowing doors off like the Rams, and then teams we expected to, you know, do poorly like the Cardinals and the Bills that uh, look like they they should be relegated. So it's uh, it's been an interesting two weeks, and uh, you know, there's a handful of really really interesting tight games this week. For sure. So let's dive into the thought process. And for anyone that doesn't know, of course, you post all your content for free on social media and the deep dive.co. But is there, um, let's talk about this as a whole. And for anyone that doesn't know, again, model based handicapping and what that is, because I feel like there's maybe the connotation that, um, you know, it's algorithms, it's very, it's coding. There could be, you know, what, what gets thrown into the recipe to make a model as a whole? Um, I guess we'll start there. And again, not to say that to ask you to give away kind of what your model does, but just talk kind of philosophically of what drew you to kind of model based handicapping and what that is kind of as a whole. Sure. So it's uh it, there are there is such a wide range of ways you can approach modeling for sports betting um and you know it's to for me personally and maybe just cuz i'm a little bit of an analytical uh, dude uh but you know the once i first kind of realized you can apply you know simple medium complex you know math tools to try to project scores or calculate edge or you know even just kind of identify what is the what is an appropriate, uh, you know, value between these two teams? Uh, it, you know, you, you get kind of a light bulb goes off and you're like, you know what? You don't just have to make picks on your gut. You know, you don't just have to like go out there and find all, the, you know, all of the information and, you know, do, you know, ha- have an inside insider knowledge to be able to be a winning sports better. If you can come up with the way to, you know, get a, get a good, baseline projection of what would happen in a game and use that as a tool, uh, to make your picks. Uh, and of course, like I say, there's really, there's really no wrong way to do it. Like people who are just using power numbers out there, like to come up with what they think spreads ought to be. And then bet based on that, like that's a, that's a type of modeling like that qualifies in my book. And you know, you don't have to do anything advanced math wise at all to be able to figure out what, you know, what power numbers are going to be. You can just go to, you know, pro football reference and look at, you know, whatever stats you, you please and put the way to kind of make power numbers out of that. It doesn't have to be, you know, complex. Uh, and, uh, and then once you have that as your tool, you know, then you, f- I found at least for me personally, uh, that it just helped me with consistency. Like I would, I would, there were less boom and bust weeks. It was more just kind of grinding up. Uh, and you know, and I think, a lot of that was born out of kind of just taking the gut feel out of it. Uh, and, you know, and, and sometimes you'll calculate a score and maybe it'll tell you, Hey, 
you know, you know, my gut was telling me bet the Patriots, but you know, I, I ran the numbers here and it's actually telling me that the Jaguars are a better team. You know, that, that kind of a challenge from a, a model, uh, may keep you off making a losing bet. Uh, and you know, and, and, and vice versa, it can reinforce what you're, uh, coming up with, uh, at a gut level or just from reading news and information, uh, or finding a key matchup that you think is like a defining matchup in a particular game. So it, you know, in my opinion, you know, once the light bulb went off and it was like, oh man, I should be, you know, be applying, you know, some sort of model to get an extra tool in my toolbox. Uh, then the rest really was history for me. Let me ask you this because I want to, I want to kind of give people the baseline. And when we talk about modeling, what type, you know, I, I assume, you know, uh, when people think of models, they think of Excel and spreadsheets and all that type of stuff. What are sure. some type of, you know, baseline numbers and, and things that people can kind of plug into, start to get them on that right track to, you know, creating those formulas? Is it net yards per play? Is it, you know, offensive line passing yard? You know, whatever the case may be, what is, you know, just a really generic baseline example of some type of numbers that you would recommend to start to kind of start plugging into uh, to get that formula? Yards per play is fine. Uh, adjusted yards per play. If you can come up with some way to adjust for how good or bad your opponent, the opponent was, uh, that can be even more useful. Um, football outsiders offers, uh, defense adjusted value over average DVOA value, you know, numbers that, um, are effectively, uh, team efficiency, offense and defense efficiency. That's my go-to by the way, is, is, uh, uh, those efficiency numbers. And, um, you know, there's, but there's other ways too. You can go with, you know, you can kind of take like a DFS type of approach and come, you know, try to track down like success rate, uh, for offensive and defensive plays. Uh, you can, you know, cook up your own magical stew of really whatever, uh, you know, whatever inputs you find to be the most, uh, effective at, uh, coming up with the numerical edge. Uh, I know people, we know people, uh, well, who do literally player, uh, you know, player predicted, uh, you know, win, win values, yeah, uh, essentially them, war, like yeah, how baseball players war, do war. Yeah. Essentially war, but for football and you know, it tries to capture like, you know, players growth and development through the games, through the seasons. And, uh, that works for people. And that's probably as complex as I can think of making this. Um, and you know, me personally, like keeping it a team level and then, you, you know, having team level adjustments for when players get injured or when teams are in good or bad situations has been more successful. Kind of keeping keeping it simple has been more successful for me than like adding a ton of knobs and uh, and and variables and trying to capture lots of uncertainty. So it's it's kind of personal preference at that point. But, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're kind of getting the idea in your head, man, I need to, I need just need need some sort of model. To just just to get me a, a baseline score so I can check it against what I want to feel, you know, what my gut feel is, uh, you know, it's it's uh, the best advice I would have is just kind of don't try to do something that's outside of what you're capable of. Make it easier on yourself. You know, you don't want to do something like, you know, do something that's so complicated that you have to go scrape data every single day and copy and paste and format and and, you know, type in all the lines for every game, every single day, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you can do shortcuts and, and tricks you can learn just from watching YouTube videos about how to use Excel or something like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, do it, do it in a way that makes it easy on you so that you can keep it up over the course of a long period of time, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have tried this, they've tried power numbers, they've tried something, 
uh, and it got too, too tough to, to do it for more than a week or two. And that's not a long enough sample to tell you if you're doing a good job or not. So, you know, the, you may have thrown away the golden model that predicts it all just because, you know, you couldn't, you know, you made it too tough on yourself to update it all the time. So maybe that that's probably my most useful value, you know, piece of advice beyond just like where to get good data. Um, but, uh, you know, explore, try stuff out. That's, you know, it's, it's, a, you know, I'm always learning and always, uh, always doing new things. So it's, uh, it's a never ending learning process. Well, that brings up the point that I wanted to ask you. And we've had this kind of discussion, uh, you know, off screen many, many times. And I feel that the old school power number guys are, it's no secret they've been doing very poorly. I'd say the better part of three years of the NFL, the same type of professionals uh, that will always take a double digit underdog in the NFL. They will always take a home underdog. They will, you know, the rules that kind of got, you know, them to the dance, maybe five, six, seven years ago, uh, the game is changing a little bit. And, you know, my, my thought process on kind of the spread dying and all that type of stuff. And as a model based handicapper, this is what I wanted to ask you is what, you know, when something, when your eyes tell you one thing, and your model says another, and you are just at odds. Your model says that this t- this line should be flipped by seven points, but you think that absolutely not. Gut feeling says, you know, your eyes say that your model is wrong. And when they start to disagree, how do you kind of have that patience or that, you know, to only dictate or only bet what your model tells you to bet? Because when you start making choices that defeats the purpose of the model, you have to kind of blindly trust that your model is right. Um, so how have you been able to kind of navigate that? Uh, or do you go kind of off model and just go with your gut sometimes? Uh, well, I think that, I mean, my personal approach is when I have a disagreement on a gut level or even just a kind of a simple handicapping level, when I have a disagreement between that and what I calculate from a model standpoint, uh, to me, it's, you know, either I've modeled it incorrectly, uh, which is always possible. You could have made a mistake or, or, or completely not accounted for some factor, you know, in the numerical part of things, uh, Alternatively, it could be the other way around. Your gut level, you know, your gut feel on it is wrong, and so it'll always kind of. I'll stop there, you know, at that point, and uh, make a decision. See if I could figure out what's really, you know, behind the divergence. Uh, and uh, if I can't really ever come to, you know, some sort of rectification, you know, can't 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 come to some sort of understanding. Oh, well, then my gut was wrong because of these reasons, or well, the model looks like it was wrong because of these reasons. Then it's a good sign to just sort of stay away from that game and. You know, generally, even as a high volume better, there's still an awful lot out there to choose from. So you don't necessarily have to take a spot just because, uh, you know, your gut was pretty strong heading into it. So, yeah, for sure. And for me, uh, I'm very selective in the NFL uh, side in total. I play maybe three to four a week. But on conversely, on the NCAA side in college football, I have, you know, 10 to 15 bets as a high volume better there. So your strategy can change kind of based on sports. And of course, um, I, I play props, maybe, you know, 10 to 12 props a game. So I do have that volume. It's just in a different marketplace. But with kind of you knew I was going to go here, buddy, with what I feel is the spread dying out, essentially two games a week are what's coming into play. So 80 percent of the time. An underdog that covers is winning outright and a favorite is covering. Models to me, maybe this is wrong, uh, which is why you're the perfect guest to kind of answer this question. I feel like models are more underdog biased and they say that the line should only be three points, but yet there's a seven there. And with this new kind of trend, the 
basically the past three to four years uh, with the with it coming into play less and less. Obviously, you still get paid out when it's an underdog winner. So in that regard, it, it doesn't really matter. But have you seen anything kind of, you know, in your model base that maybe favors underdogs uh, a little more? Or has anything kind of changed um, since that, you know, the, the volume, the quote unquote value, as you know, I feel value is the most misused term in this industry, maybe along with the word unit. Um, but when you talk about value, how is it differ from a model <laughs> perspective? Uh, it's, it, I guess my, my baseline would be if your model is predicting dog, 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 under, 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 or vice versa, then there's some bias there. Uh, and you know, I think broadly <clears throat> markets, especially in the NFL are very efficient. I think that the closing number will beat the opening number, you know, in, you know, <clears throat> in most instances. Let me ask you this, though. When you say uh, sure, that sure, the, sure, NFL, sure. the NFL is a very efficient market and it's the sharpest market in the world. I disagree with that. And I'm going to tell you why. Over the last okay. f- over the last five years, the 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 average winning uh, spread. So how much teams win by in the NFL is 11 points. Yet you will only see a spread of 11 or higher. One percent of the time, basically per week. So one double digit, uh, spread per week. So why, when, when that is so different than the two, three, four, fives, uh, that you're seeing in the market from a spread perspective, why do you still feel that way? So the fact that the spreads miss by a lot, I think, yeah, you can, you can describe that as an, as inefficiency, but, uh, what I'm referring to in terms of efficiency is simply as the numbers move throughout the week, they're moving in the right direction more often than they're moving in the wrong direction. Uh, and you know, I think this is pretty well supported by the data for the NFL. Uh, and so when I, you know, when I'm thinking like, okay, well, you know, the number's only going to move so much. Right. And saying, yeah, okay, well, you know, they're off by, you know, six points regularly and 11 points on average or whatever. Uh, yeah, but you know, there, there's no way to move a number to, you know, to Rams minus 37, you know, it's like, it's, it's not going to happen no matter how, but this is my issue. This is my issue with the NFL market and bookmakers. They refuse to take a stance on a team like new England Patriots who last, let's say last year were beating teams by, you know, 10 to 15 points yet their market was six to seven was the max, maybe a 10 against, you know, a jets or Buffalo. Why are, you know, my biggest problem with NFL odds makers and bookmakers has been that they have this stigma and they'll always tell you, we can't get middled. We can't get middled, but you can only get middled at your own shop or your own properties when you're, you know, a CGT bookmaker or you're a Cantor, whatever the case may be, whatever parent company you work for. Why are bookmakers afraid to have a power number? And I'm telling you right now, this is fact. If a, if a bookmaker at the South point makes a line eight, but the consensus in the Vegas marketplace or Chris or Pinnacle, whoever opens first is four. The most they're going to go to is four and a half, five. Why do you think that NFL bookmakers and oddsmakers refuse to take a stand in the marketplace? <sighs> Boy, it's got to be about the money. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not in the business of, uh, of giving, you know, giving away money. Uh, and uh, there's, you know, there, there are a lot of things that I don't necessarily understand about the way they make these markets. Uh, but I think, um, you know, there it's a, it's a broad enough network at this point and there are enough, you know, it's, it's a big enough 
it's a, it's a, it, there's enough liquidity in the market overall. People, you know, people are trading offshore to balance books and things like that. Like, the, like everyone out there, you know, is, is managing risk at an extremely sophisticated level. Yep. Uh, and you know, we live in a world where, you know, Chris and Finney are the, you know, the, sh- they take the lowest margin. So they have to be, you know, the most risk averse, I think. Uh, and, um, you know, so limit bets will move numbers. Uh, and, uh, and then the rest of the market at that point, I think has to be extremely conscientious that they don't fall prey to, you know, people who are out there just arbitrage betting. Uh, and I don't exactly understand the relationship between like how much books, you know, end up, you know, paying out in arbitrage bets, basically, as opposed yep. to people who are just making bets on numbers with the, where they think they have an edge. Yep. Um, but it's got to be something that keeps them up at night because they've, you know, a lot of them out there have extremely sophisticated uh, track tracking and software tools uh, so that they can identify betters that are just trying to just long-term arbitrage them. Yep. Uh, and they feel like it's taking money out of their pocket, and so they shut those guys down. So it's... it's uh, you know, it's, you know, arbitrage betting and whatnot is probably one of the only sure true fire ways that I've ever heard of. Like, you don't have to necessarily understand a sport or be a good <laughs> handicapper. You right. can just make money. Uh, but, you know, they're, you know, they're out there thinking like, okay, well, people who are doing this to us are effectively hurting our bottom line. And so we're going to run them out of town, you know. And, and so it's got to be there. That has to be an, a part of all of this. And I, but again, you know, I'm still learning a lot about all this stuff, so I don't have all the answers. Yeah, for sure. And so when we talk about the market moving, as you just did, I want to see how that kind of, uh, you know, that's a variable uh, for your market, right? Steam and, and people that chase steam and all that type of stuff. Um, so, you know, if your model dictates one thing in one bet, you know, at a certain price, do you take into account kind of where the market is going? Do you base everything kind of off close in terms of betting late? Or um, do you think it's important to kind of get out in front of the best of the number? As you said, you know, you're notorious for getting the best of the number routinely. Um, is that something that you have made a conscious decision to that that's kind of more important to at least kind of set yourself up for either a potential arbitrage opportunity a middle opportunity, uh, or just to ride it out as well. I think it's your best chance at sustaining long-term, uh, profit for sure. Uh, and besides that, the people who have been doing this longer than I've been doing this will, you know, they, they kind of look to those sort of indicators as, you know, proof that you're an advantage better. Yep. Uh, and you know, it's, it's tough to, establish that reputation. Uh, and you know, I guess once you get, you know, once you can kind of show pretty consistent results in, in that specific area, uh, then, you know, number one, you're likely winning money long-term if you're exercising reasonable bankroll management. Uh, and number two, you're, uh, you know, you can, it's kind of like, a, a credibility, uh, mark in my mind. Uh, so that's kind of, that's really kind of the the reasoning. At least I'm starting to try to, you know, change my my framework on evaluating the bets that I've made, and as opposed to just looking at results. Have you seen bigger success uh, in either sides or totals, or is it just basically whenever you feel that the model has an edge? Uh, for out for whatever reason, throughout my betting life, both in NBA and in NFL, um, I've had a much sharper read on totals. Um, I have, I have very little explanation for you as to why, except for 
perhaps there's more, it's more, uh, you know, keen to be modeled mathematically the way I look at team level performance, right? Like there's gotta be some correlation there. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, but, uh, but if you're betting sides, you probably need to know, you probably need to have more player level information in your, in your system. You need to have more information about, you know, what's going on with the players and the teams. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I don't do as careful a job of that and I'm certainly not well enough connected that I'm getting information on players sitting out or players being more injured or having secret injuries and things like that. I'm definitely not, you know, at the cutting edge of that where I'm betting with that information and, and, uh, uh, and winning money that way. So I guess totals. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Have you um, ever dabbled into kind of expanding that model into, you know, when I got started, I was doing DFS in kind of a professional manner. Um, and then, you know, I kind of moved that, you know, my quote unquote model and uh, handicapping style into the prop market. Have you ever thought of kind of expanding it out into either the prop market or, you know, first half side totals, that type of thing? I have. Uh, again, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of what I'm doing and, you know, I do it publicly for, you know, in a specific way to try to, you know, kind of build engagement and, and kind of build a brand. Right. Uh, and for those reasons, like the more time and energy I put into just hitting handicapping games, getting information out there to help, you know, help people, uh, with their handicapping for the week. Uh, and you know, that, that's kind of my, uh, my secondary goal besides winning money, you know? And, uh, and so, for those reasons, it becomes a lot more difficult to like get that work done because the lines come out so much later. Uh, and because the, you know, those markets are a little smaller limits, uh, and they move more readily. Uh, it's tough to kind of get a, you know, build something where you're helping people out by giving the prop type of information. Um, and so I guess maybe if I didn't have kind of a two goals and what I was doing, I would probably so go if my only goal here is to make more money, I should probably incorporate, you know, I should probably go after those markets because they definitely seem more winnable long-term, uh, or at least more profitable in terms of ROI. Uh, so Real man of the people uh, you are, my friend, I don't care what yeah. they say about you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I, you know, it's, it's been, fascinating to see, you know, how, you know, how, uh, uh, you know, this thing has grown and, uh, you know, I don't think in any way, shape or form it would have been possible without sharing as much as, you know, as much information as possible and, and kind of building a reputation through that mechanism. So it's, uh, it's definitely part of the, you know, the price of doing business, I guess. Absolutely. Now, as always, of course, check them out on the podcast world, the deep dive pod with Andy and the white whale. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit before we kind of break into, uh, the week upcoming for NFL week three, um, for the podcast and things like that. Is it hard? Cause when you, I mean, effectively when you use a model almost exclusively, uh, in theory, you're supposed to kind of take your eyes out of it. Right. And so, um, I think that live betting is something that can kind of get skewed when you do that. Is there, um, you know, more of a, have you had time, kind of, a hard time kind of differentiating the two when you talk about creating content when you're essentially you're betting numbers and not teams, but the rest of the world yeah. wants to watch the games? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Uh, I would say that the content creation and podcasting stuff uh, has substantially helped me uh, make more sense out of the numbers, I guess. Uh, and uh, and it actually, 
you know, you can, you know, my, my, again, back to the modeling philosophy, like you can do it a lot of ways. Um, I kind of throw my hands up and say the NFL has an enormous amount of uncertainty. Random shit happens all the time. Uh, fluke flags, fluke turnovers, you know, who recovers a fumble, uh, you know, what, you know, randomness in the weather, all, all those kind of things tend to make, uh, huge differences game in game out. Uh, and so I've kind of thrown my hands up in terms of thinking that you can just crank an algorithm and get a result and it would be correct, uh, and, you know, represent a good, good, you know, a good uh, projection. Uh, and so I'm sort of focused much more on give me like a good baseline, right? And then I want to then incorporate situational angles that I think are important in terms of how teams perform good or bad. Uh, I want to incorporate, uh, you know, I want to I want to adjust teams efficiency numbers up and down uh, on the basis of players that are getting better uh, on the basis of players that are out for injury on the basis of specific matchups. I might want to tweak certain units and things like that. Uh, And so, um, you know, in order to do all that, to get in there and to kind of make fine tuning adjustments by hand, uh, you know, I do a better job of that if we kind of talk through you know, why I like certain sides and totals. And so it's, it's a very effective kind of complement to doing the type of modeling that I want to do where I'm trying to number one, get a good baseline projection. And then number two, apply the correct situational adjustments, uh, so that I can identify the, what I think is the right side or total. Love it, man. So much good information to dig through there, but let's take a look at what's coming up on the NFL week three. Before we do that, let's look to the weeks that were, I want to see, and maybe you don't have this off the top of your head and I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, but what was the biggest, I want to see, we'll do one in one, the biggest disagreement that your model had. So essentially what was, if, was there one thing in specific that st- sticks out to you, um, that your model was just dead wrong on a take or a game and one where you nailed it, maybe with an, uh, alternative total alternative spread, anything like that kind of two extremes, if you could think of them. Yeah. So, uh, on the, I'll start with the bad side first, I guess. Um, let's see. All right. No, I, I got a good one off the top of my head. So I guess I'll go good one first. Uh, I had the jets lions week one and a Monday night football game over identified. I basically, I ran my calc and I was like, this should be in like the 50 range. Like why in the hell did they hang 45? Uh, and you know, usually like when I get a mismatch on a spread, that's in the six point range, like that's at the very high end that I usually ever see. Uh, and for it to happen on a primetime game and then actually the under got took money that that thing got that down to like 44 and a half or 44 even. And, uh, I couldn't tell myself, I was like, this is six point edge here. This is, you know, this is going to be a, you know, a shootout. I ended up back in the over and I took the alt overs up to like maybe 60 uh, Ooh, or something nice. like that. Like I, like I, I think the highest paying one I had was like plus 500 or something, but wh- whatever the case was, uh, you know, it was a good first half it, they scored like 27. I was like, okay, we're going to get this over. All right. I didn't have great hopes that all the alt overs were going to cash, but then they scored 31 points in the third <laughs> quarter. It was like the jets did alone. I was like, this is crazy. And, uh, so that thing went sailing over and I was, I was pretty excited and I ended up hitting, uh, a huge amount of uh, kind of lucky uh, alternate plays on that one. Better to be I'm, lucky than good, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So that was clearly like that was definitely my uh, uh, my most uh, outstanding win. Um, my toughest loss was probably Philly last week. Yeah, that uh, was, that my was disagreement weird. on that one. I, I was five points off the line on that. I ca- I had it. 
uh, on my first calc, I had Philly as they should be about eight point favorites and it was Philly minus three or minus three and a half or something. So I was, I was, I was way off and, and being off by like four and a half points on the spread is about as high as I usually ever see. So I was like, man, Philly, great spot here. They had extra rest. Uh, I thought Tampa Bay was full of nonsense after winning 48-40 in New Orleans and that they were going to have a huge, you know, kind of come back to earth game. Uh, and then they just scored at will uh, on a de- you know, The defense just completely no-showed. Uh, and I think by about halftime, I was like, there's zero chance of cashing this bet. And, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of stormed back in the fourth quarter, but it was way too little too late. That's one of and, those uh, things where a model maybe has some, uh, uh, it's a great talking point, maybe has some issues because it can't really dictate situationally the human aspect of it. You know, a place, uh, a spot like Carolina coming off, you know, a hurricane where they're displacing their families or whatever the case may be, or, you know, a team that's just internally getting up for a game more like the Jacksonville situation. Do you have these model kind of struggled in those type of consistency bets? It definitely does. Uh, but that was kind of what I was getting at when we were talking about creating content and doing podcasts and talking through stuff is that like, I do my best to guess right on that stuff. Right. Like I'm, I'm literally looking at like, you know, trying to, I have no insider information. I'm not at practice for these teams. I don't, you know, I, I follow the beat reporters, but not closely enough that you can ever really get a bead, a read on some of the, how these teams are motivated, but I'm trying to kind of do my best at guessing that sort of thing. Uh, and in the case of like, um, a good example, this week might the, I think, uh, Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh is a great one. They got, uh, embarrassed on defense. Uh, I would expect them, you know, I was coming, coming into this season. I was like, this is a huge letdown spot for them. Uh, you know, this is going to be, you know, an ugly game where, you know, they have to go play Tampa Bay on Monday night football, but they're going to be thinking about the Ravens week four. Now like this is, this is, the, line, right. This is the classic, right. It, it, looking at the schedule before the season started, it was the classic, uh, sandwich kind of letdown spot. And I was like, I can't wait to bet Tampa Bay that day. They're going to be Oh, and two Steelers going to be two. Oh, like that's going to be a great spot. I'm going to get a great number on a home dog on Monday night football. I can't wait. Uh, and then lo and behold, Tampa Bay is two, you know, like they're, <laughs> they are way, you know, I, numbers wise, like I have the Tampa Bay defense, like really low. Like I know they're still winning, but like that defense is going to get just destroyed by an angry Pittsburgh team. And I know Antonio Brown's been causing drama this week. He's going to be there. He's going to be fine. All this stuff seems way overblown. And I think you're going to have an extremely highly motivated Pittsburgh team this week. And so basically just in terms of like, where are they going to perform on the, on the scale of, you know, percentiles, like an average performance is the 50th percentile. I'm expecting like, 84th percentile performance out of the Pittsburgh Steelers on the basis of, you know, their motivational angles. And and now that, like you said, it, their season's on the line, they do not have a win yet. And they're going to play uh, Baltimore next week. This is a huge game for them. And I'm probably going to back a good amount of alt spreads in Pittsburgh's favor. Like they're going to win by a couple touchdowns. Completely, completely agree, man. Um, again, it, it can kind of be a scary proposition sometimes, especially when the public kind of gets, gets wind of that. Uh, but to me, oh, uh, sure, there's, sure. there's just certain times that you can. So let's, that was the weeks that were, let's look into the week that is upcoming at NFL week three. But before we do that, if you still need a place to bet for the upcoming NFL and NCAA season, look no further than my bookie. My is the official online sports book of the sports gaming 
Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We have done so well, guys, that MyBookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on over on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Enter promo code SGP100 for a 100% deposit bonus in SGP25 if you need, or SGP50 rather, for a reload. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, data-driven editorial content, and picks that you will not find anywhere else. Check them out on Oddshark at oddshark.com. Finally, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas, and now NFL lines are available on the app. Easily track line movement, see which teams the public are backing, and view trend bets of the day. Calculate your return on investment, and go to betql.co to download the app today. All right, man, so NFL Week 3. What's, let's shine a light basically on, we'll do three games. We'll do two sides in a total. Um, and we'll leave our consensus best bet, uh, towards for the end. Um, basically where your model has a big disagreement, uh, that is going to be getting you involved, uh, in a side or total in the NFL season. I will let you take it away. So biggest disagreement for me is the saints versus the Falcons on in a, on a side. I have a four and a half point misfit here between what I'm projecting as a score and the current line of saints plus three. Uh, I think they win this game. I think we're looking at wrong team favorite here. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to back the saints on the money line at a, a very tasty price of plus one thirty-five. Uh, going into this projection, I have, um, downgraded the Atlanta defense substantially because they're without their two best, uh, pass defending, uh, um, players in Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, the linebacker, uh, that makes them extremely vulnerable to a, uh, saints team that has been efficient, uh, on offense, but just has not quite scored uh, up to their level of efficiency. I think they break through in this game against, uh, again, a, a defense that has extreme problems in the secondary. And, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty, I feel pretty confident actually in this play. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are on saints Falcons. Yeah, I absolutely love this. I, we are lockstep here. Um, to me, when you look at this uh, again, are the saints, is that defense as bad as what the numbers show or have they just, you know, people thought they were going to kind of improve and it just hasn't been the case. And when you talk about a defense, you know, struggling, what is the cure for what ails you? And that's a team that struggles in the red zone. And you can talk all you want about regression towards touchdown mean, uh, but we're going on over a season of a sample size. And at some point that's just built fundamentally as a, as something that's broken uh, in your offense um, and new Orleans will should be able to turn threes into sevens. And I don't have confidence in Atlanta to do so. So we are lockstep uh, new Orleans money line there. Uh, what is the next one? So uh, the other side that I am uh, keen on here uh, is the, let's see the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I like the Bengals. Uh, here to again, you know, potential wrong team favored. Uh, I have a substantial mismatch uh, in the trenches in this game, particularly when the Bengals defense is on the field. Uh, the Panthers have sustained a cluster injury at offensive line. Uh, it's pretty spectacular uh, what they've gone through. And the guys that are hurt weren't even particularly good to begin with. So they're on a second level of guys that couldn't beat out their shitty offensive line to start with. Uh, Cam Newton's going to be running for his life. The Bengals defensive line is for real. Geno Atkins is a freaking stud. He is going to absolutely collapse pockets, uh, on Sunday. I can't wait to see it. Uh, and so basically all I need is an average to, um, even potentially below average performance from Andy Dalton 
Uh, hopefully he just does not turn the ball over three times. But uh, if we can get, uh, I don't know, 17, 20-ish points from the Bengals, I think they uh, they win because I like I like the uh, Bengals out right here, but uh, kind of on the basis of I think Carolina goes way under their team total. I wanted, That's what I wanted to ask you. And again, I'm not that I'm asking you to give away kind of your model and things, but what are some things that your model uh, kind of looks at and, and you know points you into this direction? Um, if you can kind of break into that from a general perspective, um, from a broad view of why what your model is pointing uh, in that direction for, or what is the reason? Sure. So basically, on the strength of on the strength of personnel groupings, uh, I have the uh, the Bengals D line uh, in the top five of the league. Uh, on top, and besides that, they can rush the passer from either side. Uh, so they're not uh, the type of team that can get stopped if you just have one particularly good pass blocker on the left or right. They have they can get at to you from either side of the quarterback. Uh, and then of course, Geno Atkins. I think I have him the second highest rated defensive tackle in the league uh, after Aaron Donald. Um, so it's, it's an incredibly strong unit. Uh, and when you have that kind of a mismatch where I'm talking about probably the bottom three uh, offensive line for the Panthers and, you know, on top of injuries and question marks uh, and uh, you know, that, that right there, that mismatch right there stands out uh, and creates a, you know, helps push the uh, percent likelihood of winning for the Bengals up in my model. Um, and then, um, besides that, uh, you know, just the general, you know, team level performance grades I have for the Bengals defense. I think they're a good defense. The offense is a good offense, uh, especially, you know, I upweight passing. So if you have a particularly, uh, worthwhile set of receivers on offense, you have, you get a better, uh, efficiency projection out of my model. Uh, and the Bengals definitely have that. They proved that last two weeks where they've, you know, they've had an emergence of, uh, players at the tight end position, including a healthy Eifert back. Uh, and, uh, with all these weapons in the passing game and Andy Dalton playing competent football, uh, this team is pretty darn good. And it wouldn't surprise me if they, uh, continue to cover the spread against, uh, against teams that they're better than. I love it. Such a good explanation, man. Let's go to your final one. The total. So, uh, my favorite total for the week is going to be probably the over in the Dolphins Raiders game. Uh, I think the, we see, you know, a bad situation for this Raiders team, uh, which is probably the only reason that I'm not getting involved betting them on the spread side. Um, but, uh, they are on the road for the second straight week. Uh, they had to travel to altitude last week. They have to go to the humidity in Miami this week. Their defense has shown us a consistent ability to fall apart in the second half. They're a very, very thin unit. So they don't have a lot of worthwhile replacements, which means if they take a good amount of snaps in the first half, they just melt in the second half because they're so tired. Um, and, you know, I, I look at their offense and I thought they showed a lot more competency in week two than week one, even though they only scored 20 points. Uh, it was still, um, you know, the offensive line afforded uh uh, car time against a relatively good pass rush. And so that has me expecting, uh, the Oakland Raiders here to get into the twenties pretty comfortably. Uh, and then their defense to allow something in the high twenties. And so I looked at this line on the open at 43 and a half, and I couldn't explain it to save my life. Uh, I modeled <laughs> it. I'm getting 50 points in this game. Uh, and so over 43 and a half, I have you know, six and a half point edge. That's as high as I usually ever see. So I jumped on this over, uh, and I think it's probably moved up into the 44 range, but again, I still see 
uh, a decent amount of edge against that number. So I think uh, I'm looking for points in, down in Miami. And uh, even if it's a kind of a slow, boring first half, I think we're going to see things just utterly explode in the second half. So fingers crossed. Yeah, total at 44 and a half at mybookie.ag. And again, we've talked about this off air. Oakland was a team I, I am really high on this week. And again, the issue, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get, you know, it's going to get me to the window because when I look at this, I would, you know, the humidity in Miami is a very real thing and teams are falling apart late in the third, fourth quarters. And so I, you know, conversely to kind of uh, not have to worry about that. I was looking at a first half bet yet. Oakland is a West coast team flying uh, to the East coast for a 10 AM kick. So it's yeah, a, there's a little bit of a situation. True. This would be such a, this had the potential to be such a good spot for an underdog. Uh, and because of those outlying factors, I don't know if it's going to get me to the window, but I do lean Oakland in this spot. Again, you talk about, things regressing towards the mean i have a hard time believing that miami's going to be 3-0 while the raiders are 0-3 but situationally uh it's, it's definitely a bit of a a tough one here so uh, we'll see about that. But as we touched on the beginning, uh, our consensus best bet, two bets that myself and Will are both making him based on uh, his model handicapping and myself uh, based on everything that I do. Uh, we're going to give out the saints on the money line at plus, would you say was plus 135? I actually got plus 140. I, I was backwards on this. Since yeah, I was plus 135. Saints on plus 140. Saints plus 140, our Inside Vegas week three consensus best bet with the white whale. Well, that will kind of conclude the uh, week three. Man, I'm not going to make you go through every single game based on your model, but I want to kind of give you the floor to plug everything you have going on in the space as well as anything um, from a model perspective or anything you want to talk about between NFL week one, two or the upcoming NFL week three. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, uh, only thing I have to plug is my Twitter content, I guess. Check me out on Twitter at whale underscore capper, uh, and, uh, listen to our podcast. It's, uh, we go long form. We talk about every single game. We kind of try to highlight all the situational angles. We have uh, a guest join us every Wednesday evening we record, and it's usually up late middle of the night Wednesday. So you can, you know, download it and listen to it on your Thursday morning commute as you start handicap, you know, get your handicap going for the week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like you gave me the opportunity to say a lot of smart stuff. So I'm going to leave you with one, <laughs> one nugget here just that may make me sound real stupid. Uh, I'm fading the Patriots again this week. Oh my bet, God. Off I, a I, loss. I put my hard, I put my hard earned money on the Detroit Lions. Off a loss. <laughs> Tell me why. Off a loss. Off a loss. Give me the elevator speech. Why? Uh, Patriots fourth game on the road in five weeks. Uh, second game in a road on the road. Uh, they have extreme question marks on this in the uh, passing game outside of one Rob Gronkowski. Uh, the Bengals have a safety who can do a decent Jalen Ramsey impression on a good day. Uh, Bengals, I mean, sorry, the Lions are a, uh, a desperate, desperate team right now at 0 and 2. Meanwhile, the Patriots are still looking like they are somewhat in preseason mode. Um, I think the Lions are a live dog here. I didn't go so far as to back them on the money line, but I took plus six and a half at plus 102. And uh, this is the kind of the one that makes me look smarter, makes me look stupid for the week. So let's go, Lions. Oh man, you don't get rich betting against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but you definitely don't get rich betting them off a loss. So we are, we are it's definitely uh, opposite there, my friend, but I wish you <laughs> I all you. of the luck in the world, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking the time for NFL week three. Um, and we will talk soon, my friend. Thank you so much. Oh, that was a super, super fun time. Thanks for having me.